0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro Football Doc podcast, post-week 9, pre-week 10, jam-packed podcast today, halfway point of the season. We'll have the usual injury rundown. We'll have an entertaining beast of the week. We're going to introduce some new features, line movements, line movers, to try and help you use some of the injury information to your advantage and uh, talk about some of the right and wrongs. But right now, our first topic is, since we are the halfway point of the season, week nine, 17-week season, bye weeks, et cetera, most teams have played eight, some nine games. Wanted to do a midterm evaluation of COVID. A lot of concern on COVID still, cases rising, in the league and in society. So we wanted to take a midterm look at COVID in the NFL. If you guys remember months ago in the summertime, I said the NFL would start the season and start on time. That's happened, and I think I was swimming upstream at the time when I said that. But what happened afterwards, who knows, was a Wild West, and that's proven to be true. At the midterms, I would say, out of the gate, the NFL certainly struggled with messaging. And that's where there were players saying, can we play this season or not? And I was saying with viral load, and we'll come back to that, why the season would happen. But then once the season started in the preseason, they were pitching a shutout. There were thousands and thousands of tests and nobody was positive. So they did a great job. And now then the Titans and other things, and now we have a daily, this guy's positive, this guy's close contact, this guy's high risk, this guy's false positive, this guy's positive, this coach, this player, but the game's going on. You can't even keep track anymore. It's been a tough job, but I think the NFL's still doing what it can in partnership with the NFLPA and the players. They're still doing a reasonable job. They're getting. They got half the season in. There's still a long way to go and it's going to take a lot of diligence here. But let's go over some things in terms of the COVID midterms. First of all, the rules continue to evolve. Now there's game day PCR testing. So more and more we're going to find out this guy played maybe with COVID. The point of care tests are not as accurate. And then you get those and you get those results back immediately before the game. But people often say, what's the big deal? They're tested every day. Uh, The big deal is you never know when you test positive, when you never know when you have the coronavirus and you never know when you can spread it. That's why they're doing the daily testing. But let me give you some definitions here so that you can hang your hat on. We hear these terms, close contact, high risk, false positive, Asymptomatic positives, symptomatic positives, they all mean different things. The COVID reserve list, they all mean different things. Here's why there's confusion. There's only one COVID reserve list, and that's a list for players to be put on where they don't count against the active roster. But there's all sorts of different reasons that you can go on the list or be out for COVID. So all the terms are not interchangeable. It's almost like saying, uh, uh, you know, the reserve COVID reserve list is having dinner, but what kind of dinner, you know, having a meal, what are you eating, drinking? Is it dessert? Is it, you know, pizza? There's all different things that go into it, not to trivialize it, but let's define some of these terms. First of all, Close contact and high risk are not the same thing. The exact definition has not been given by the league publicly, but a close contact is someone who there is suspicion they're within someone who tested positive or is suspected to have COVID. So a close contact is a very general definition. Within six feet, 15 minutes, Is it 15 minutes in a given day, 15 minutes in a given game, 15 minutes in a given week, six feet indoors, outdoors, mask on, mask off, many different variations. But in general, close contact who is someone at potential risk. And a close contact may be told to leave the building and literally can return the next day if they test negative. It's basically a temporary placeholder. But you also can be a close contact and be high risk. That's the next level. So if you're high risk, you're definitely close contact. But if you're close contact, that doesn't mean you're high risk. And if you're high risk, you are on the COVID reserve list for five days. That's why it was very important. If you enter the high risk list on Wednesday, you are not playing on Sunday. If you're close contact, the reason you're high risk, the, that event occurred on Wednesday. You are out for five days, not from when you get put on the list, but when the event happened, the high risk event. So if the high risk event happens on Wednesday, you will not play on Thursday. Really, if it happens on Tuesday, you won't play on Sunday. But if it happens on Monday, you actually have a chance to clear. This is why uh, Matthew Stafford was high risk, couldn't fly with the team on Saturday, but yet Sunday was enough time to have the fifth day behind him and clear to play. And he flew out there separate from the team. This is why Baker Mayfield on a bye week, five days high risk by Wednesday, He's gonna be practicing, assuming he doesn't turn positive. And he will play this week for the Cleveland Browns. So that's the big difference in close contact and high risk. A false positive is obviously someone who tests positive and then you go on the list and then it turns out you were never positive in the first place. So it's just as you say. So what's the difference in the timeline for asymptomatic positive versus symptomatic positive? If you're positive, and it's not a false positive, you're going to miss at least 10 days, maybe longer. So if you test positive early week, it's possible for you to miss only one game. If you test positive mid or late week, you're missing two games. That's what happened to Emmanuel Sanders recently. And these are for asymptomatic positives. If you have no symptoms, but you just are positive for the PCR test, it's minimum 10 days. Now, if you're symptomatic, that can change the equation of how long you're out. I mean, I don't have the details, but there's one player, Rykel Armstead, Jacksonville Jaguars running back, who's been on the COVID list all season and has not come off. There's a second player now, Trent Brown, got put on the COVID list for the second time for the Raiders and word is he's out at least a month don't know if he has myocarditis don't know what his complication is Um, but if he did have myocarditis you're not supposed to work out and play with that that easily would knock him out a month so those are people who may be symptomatic positives so the asymptomatics can come back at 10 days the symptomatics have a whole different set of rules that can be a lot longer So hopefully that clears it up a little bit. Close contact, high risk, false positive, where you want to put it, asymptomatic positives, symptomatic positives in terms of timeline, in terms of what happens. It's not walking by someone down the grocery store aisle momentarily that typically seems to do it. Look, put your mask on, stay socially distanced, stay away from people if you can. But if you come around the corner at the grocery store and there's someone right there, you don't need to run away. The chances of that are, I can never say zero, but very low. And what's the background for it? Um, I've been saying for a little bit that in the NFL, we have yet to have a single case of across the line of scrimmage transmission, one opponent to another. We have yet to have a single documented case. I know what some of you are gonna say. Yeah, but that's because you test everybody. So what's the big deal? So if everyone's negative, you're not gonna transmit it. But we've had positive cases play, including Stephon Gilmore and that hug with Patrick Mahomes, including some Tennessee Titans against the Vikings, including the last couple of weeks, there have been players who turned up after the game positive from the testing. And just because you test negative the day before doesn't mean you're negative the day of. Look, we've had lots and lots and hundreds of games already with thousands of people. You know there have been people who have been positive who have played. Uh, look, Trent Brown uh, was sandwiched be- you know, between two COVID stints and he played in between. So uh, what potentially, Uh, happen there. The bottom line is, it's a good sign. I'm not to say that if you took someone who's coughing and sneezing and actively has COVID, that they couldn't transmit it to someone by tackling them. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying under current circumstances, there has not been any cross-team transmission. And in college, SI had an article saying that they had, they spoke to a lot of college doctors and they had yet to document one there either. Alan Sills, the chief medical officer, um, said yesterday, he doubled down. We regularly communicate with World Rugby, which I actually am a part of, Aussie rules football, European soccer leagues. To date, no one, including all those leagues, has documented a case of player-to-player transmission in a field-sporting environment. In simpler terms, this is from Albert Breer, no pro sports league worldwide has yet found a single case, at least that the NFL knows of, and that's a fair caveat, of COVID-19 being passed from one player to another in competition. That's our only saving grace so far. But as we have said, as I've said, it's not the on-field that should be the greatest worry. I've even worried about offensive huddles where you gather together the offensive players and the quarterbacks shouting plays. The NFL has now tried to widen the the sidelines. And you see a lot more players with masks on the sidelines now. Because the sidelines, believe it or not, amongst your own team, may be more dangerous than on the field. I'm not saying there's no danger on the field. I'm just saying we've yet to have a documented case there. So if we go to um, the, uh, 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 the, uh, something else that happened yesterday, this is what I always said, that the, the field is safer than the sidelines. And the sidelines being outdoors is safer than the locker room. Take a look at this video from yesterday. This is the Saints' locker room in Tampa after they demolished the Buccaneers. I'm not being a party pooper. Enjoy yourself. I'm not even trying to be critical that they don't have masks on. You can make that argument. But do you see the size of that locker room? I've been in the Tampa visitors' locker room. It's not deluxe. Look at the slanted ceilings for under the stands. It's a closed indoor space. It's probably not that well ventilated. My point is, it's much more dangerous in the locker room in this type of setting than it is on the field where you're outdoors and more spread out. Sidelines or locker room or the bus, these are more potential points of danger. And this is what we need to be aware of. My point here on the video is simply look at the size of the locker room. And uh, I think you'll see my point of where some of the danger is. Um, a lot also has been made out of you know, um, what happened to Notre Dame football. They, had, they got the big win uh, against Clemson, and this was post-game, people on the field Uh, some in mass, some not. I mean, uh, they're hanging out together. They stormed the field. Now, if they stayed there for an hour, and by the way, the Johns Hopkins contact tracing course says it's an hour. The CDC says 15 minutes. If they hung out there for an hour, that indeed raises the level of being a potential super spreader event. I'm not for this, I'm not saying you should celebrate like that. This is clearly not socially distanced. But here's the thing, I mean, people focus on this and this is not good and it shouldn't happen. But I would venture that if there are that many students on campus, what happens that night at uh, a typical frat party or house party or whatever, I would hope they're socially distancing. But I would think that a if you're at a party indoors for a couple hours at a friend's or at a frat house, that's way danger, more dangerous than storming the field for five minutes. I'm not saying you should storm the field. Um, I'm just saying it's all relative risk in terms of what's going on. And for colleges, like in the NFL, I've said, Sunday on the field, is less dangerous than Sunday in the locker room or sidelines or whatever. Sundays in general are less dangerous than the six days of the week in the facility. The six days of the week in the NFL facility are less dangerous than at home. Emmanuel Sanders got COVID from his wife. She's living her life with kids and you know who knows. You know, I'm not saying they did anything wrong. I'm just saying that that's where the risk is. On college campuses, I don't love seeing this on the field. But the risk is on campus. The risk is off campus, uh, in dorms or housing. It's, you know, I have to admit, when I was 20, if someone told me to socially distance, I don't know that I would have listened. I mean, I don't remember what I was like at 20, but I just have to be honest, I probably wouldn't have. I don't know. We'd like to think differently. But I'm saying it's not good to be celebrating like this, but let's focus on where some of the real danger is, so to speak. All right, so that's COVID midterms, the good news and the bad news. Uh, we'll skip through the uh, right and wrongs this week. It get boring sometimes of what's right and what's wrong. But I want to focus a little bit on a feature I've been doing with OutKick. I'm not a tout. I don't pick games, I don't love that idea. But if you look at the uh, OutKick stuff this week, we, uh, we actually do pretty well with uh, what's going on. Uh, the, uh, the uh, we pick five games every single Sunday morning with Sunday morning lines and uh, so far we're lucky enough to against the spread a record of 28 15 and 2 so if you look at this last week the Bears offensive line issues and uh, took the uh, the uh, the Titans they covered the Vikings and Lions combined to uh, be the over. The Broncos defensive line hurt them against the Falcons. Uh, The Cowboys covered. The uh, only miss was the Texans uh, uh, allowed a late touchdown to go four and one, but overall we're 28, 15 and two. The other thing that I would try and tell everyone is, we've also published Sunday morning the top 10 injury concerns. And what that happens there is, I think there's some line advantages for some of you. Um, well here, first of all, let's look at the New York Jets versus the Patriots game tonight. Overall, it's a B minus versus a C plus. The Jets actually are a little bit healthier. There's injuries on both sides of the ball. But the Jets offense, everyone's focused on Sam Darnold out, Chris Hogan, and of course, uh, uh, Jameson Crowder here. But the Patriots have a lot of issues on defense. Three of their best players, Stefan Gilmore's out, Patrick Chung COVID, Dante Hightower COVID, and all the color on the Patriots' defense. The Jets' defense has issues, but look at the Patriots' offense. Juel and Edelman, and Kill Harry, concussion. Hopefully, it can get off, but so far not yet. The protocol. Sony Michelle. Look at the offensive line issues. The, and they're getting nine and a half, ten points. So. By health, I don't know that there's that big of a difference there. But here's the other thing. When we published this article, the Bengals were plus 10 against the Steelers. Now, with more concern about Big Ben's knee, it's already moved to eight. The Detroit line's going to move up. Uh, they were three and a half, now they're four, five or more, uh, against Washington. The Saints line, due to the 49er injuries, it started at six and a half. Now it's closer to nine already. The Eagles line is going to move because the Eagles are getting healthier. That's where I think you can use ProFootballDoc.com to your advantage. Um, the Cleveland line, Baker Mayfield's going to come back. Nick Chubb's going to come back. We talked about it on Sunday. On Sunday night, the line was two and a half. It's already, as of this posting, moved to three and a half across the all important three. You'd much rather have Cleveland minus two and a half than minus three and a half, that three key number. Heck, you may even be able to get middles. So uh, look at some of the advantages. Uh, I think uh, Tampa Bay minus six, that line's going to go up because McCaffrey's going to get ruled out. That line might get to seven or more. So try and get on some of those early, and uh, we have a pretty good track record of trying to predict that. And that's one of the big usefulnesses of ProFootballDoc.com. So check it out. We'd love to uh, hear from you uh, about that. All right. So uh, we'll uh, conclude part one of the uh, podcast here. Uh, Part 2 we'll have the injury rundown of all the injuries position by position and also the beast of the week. And uh, in the meantime, uh, please do check out ProFootballDoc.com. And uh, all the videos are posted there that we're talking about, all sorts of different uh, features. And if you're listening to this on audio only, uh, go to profootballdoc.com or to uh, see the video where we walk through some of the video for you as I'm walking through some of the computer stuff and visuals. So we'll see you in a little bit for part two and the injury rundown and the beast of the week. Thanks for listening and watching. All right, welcome to the injury rundown portion of the Pro Football Doc podcast post week nine, pre week 10. This is where we break down the week nine injuries and give you an early preview as to what to expect going into week 10 for fantasy DFS and wagering purposes. Uh, the uh, lot of action here at the midterm, so to speak, week nine of a 17 week season, six games, etc. We'll go through the rundown, and don't forget, we have an extra special Beast of the Week. I think you'll uh, enjoy it. Uh, It has personal meaning to me, and we'll have a little bit of fun with it there. So so don't miss that at the end, the Beast of the Week. But let's go through here, as we always do, position by position, starting with quarterbacks. And bear in mind, this week coming up, the Falcons, Cowboys, Chiefs, and Chargers are are on a bye for Week 10. Big Ben, uh, MCL injury, and uh, Christian who's doing the video for me will vouch that in the room we did something fun. Uh, You know, we have eight, you know, different uh, uh, rooms going on, and if you look in eight different games going on, and, you know, if you look here, uh, this is kind of what we, this is what goes on in the room at the time people and different things going on and so uh, I'm walking up and Christian is trying to get for me the uh, video of Big Ben and I sort of jokingly said but seriously have said I know how, what's gonna happen I said Big Ben's gonna be hurt he's gonna he's gonna grab a body part he's not gonna come off the field he's gonna limp around and work his way through it he's gonna finish the drive and this is only a minute, a couple minutes or half, he's gonna go into the locker room early, uh, Twitter's gonna break, everyone's gonna think he's done for the year and, and what have you, and then he's gonna triumphantly return uh, in the second half and be fine. And ironically, it all came true. I'm having a little fun here with it, but Big Ben suffered an injury. It wasn't season ending, it wasn't an ACL by video. And uh, you actually can go see the video at profootballdoc.com. If you'd go right to it here, the homepage, if you're not signed up, you can sign up right there. But the Big Ben Halftime Injury Chat Big Ben update is right here on the video here. And we go through screen by frame by frame in terms of how to, what exactly happens to him, uh, et cetera. Won't bore you with it now, you can go there. But MCL sprain. He's going to be fine, but let me tell you what's going to happen. And by the way, the reason why we go to the video here is whenever I look analyze film, I want to do it through our website and otherwise because a few weeks ago, you guys remember, we got banned and got shut down by Periscope, etc., because we showed some video or of game action, so we don't want that to happen again. And it's also good to house it there because you can search and find whatever you want instead of Twitter where you're scrolling through and periscopes where you're scrolling through. But here's the deal. Everyone thinks thought it was the end of the world. Now everyone thinks Big Ben's fine. The truth is somewhere in the middle. He suffered a MCL sprain, which is a ligament sprain on the inside of his knee. At least the x-rays were negative. He's going to miss some practice time this week, and watch what happens to the line when he misses practice time. Uh, you know, uh, the Bengals—it's already creeping down. The Bengals started at uh, at uh, plus ten, and uh, they play the Bengals, and it's already creeped down to eight. When Big Ben misses, I predict he's going to miss practice time on Wednesday. He's going to be at best limited in practice this week. He's going to be listed as questionable for the game. And he's going to be one of the big injury issues. But knowing Big Ben and looking at the video, he will play through this MCL spring. He hasn't been much of a scrambler or runner this year anyways. Uh, He won't need surgery. In the end, he'll be fine. But there'll be a lot of angst this week about what he's going to do. At least that's the prediction uh, based on looking at the video. And look at the in-game video that we made at profootballdoc.com. Uh, Kyle Allen is not so lucky. Uh, Kyle Allen, will uh, go to some Kyle Allen video here in a second. Um, not for faint of heart, if you don't want, if you're squeamish at all, don't look at this video that we have here, coming up here. Here's the play, Kyle Allen. Jabril pre- Peppers comes back and leg whips him. You get a hint of it already there. Hits his knee, He probably strains his MCL, but the real injury is his foot is trapped. So it's an, there's a knee issue, but it's a really ankle fracture dislocation. In some ways, similar to, to Dak Prescott. We'll keep running the video here. Here's the slow motion, and here he's about to get leg whipped his left foot is planted right here this leg is gonna come across the knee and injure the MCL here let's rewind a little bit here and go slowly here we'll slow it down for everybody here we go and here comes the replay, and you can see the referee right there already waving people on the field, uh, knowing that it's a serious, uh, significant injury. He sees it, the, the uh, ankle's pointed the, uh, the wrong or different way. Here's a slow motion video here. As he comes across, left foot is trapped, leg whip. There's the knee action, and there's the ankle. Now watch, the ankle is pointed the wrong way, dragging where the knee's pointed forward, the ankle's pointed down. So there's ligament damage and a bone break. It was first reported as evulsion. You can see the difference right there, evulsion fracture. But there's ligament damage too. This is why he's gonna need surgery. And unfortunately, very clearly, and here's a final view of it, his season is done, no chance of return. Ron Rivera hasn't declared him out yet. Good to have hope but he is done. So there's the knee and there's the ankle. Ankle fracture dislocation right there. That's where you see the ankle whipping around. So knee and ankle, but the ankle is the worst of it there. So in any case, he's done for the season and it is now Alex Smith's uh, turn. Uh, Interesting that Dwayne Haskins is not being played right now. Uh, Rivera has come out and said he needs to learn behind Alex Smith and be a better student. Alex Smith is still very talented. He is more mobile than some quarterbacks, more mobile than my friend Philip Rivers. And we'll get to that later. Uh, but he's not the same guy he used to be. He's no longer the run pass threat. He's got to become a three, five, seven set drop, ball out guy. And uh, if he can do that, he can be successful. He rallied the team a little bit. He did throw two very bad picks, but then he rallied back, so Alex Smith is a gamer. But very tough there for him uh, to see what happens now when a team game plans him for him from the get-go. Next up, Matthew Stafford. Uh, concussion check initiated by the official. It may have been the eye in the sky, but someone said to the official, or the official himself saw something and sent him off. He did not come back into the game. Matthew Stafford has had a rough week, but he is cleared through the concussion protocol. He will play this next week against the aforementioned Washington football team. And uh, the COVID protocol, he had a false positive early this season. Then this was a close contact, high risk, referred to our definitions in the earlier part of the podcast. And now he's got the concussion, but he's cleared. He does not have a concussion, so he is a go. Next up, we're going to talk about Drew Brees. What a great game last night. Obviously, his shoulder didn't bother him much. Once again, what did I, we say before the game? He's not a shoulder-strength guy. He's not a zip-it-in-there, tight-window guy. He is a very cerebral, and he uses his eyes and brains. So he doesn't have to fit it into small windows. And obviously, he was very effective yesterday. So uh, the shoulder still probably is an issue, but I don't see it as an issue on game day, per se. Mitch Trubisky is still out. The Bears signed another quarterback for the practice squad. Uh, He's out through week 12. This is Nick Foles' uh, team until at least week 12. Week 11 is the Bears' bye. Trubisky, we talked about it, subluxed his shoulder. Uh, No surgery, but will not be ready until week 12 at the earliest. So does Nick Foles this next week for sure. Gardner Minshew with his thumb, I believe, could have played this week. I believe could play this next week. But uh, Luton's going to be named the starter for a second week in a row. It seems like they want Minshew at 100% for him to play. He's already played several games with this broken thumb. Luton had about uh, he had nine, a quarterback rating uh, uh, of about 90, so he did okay. A little over 300 yards, one TD, one pick. They want to give him another chance. Uh, he did show some promise there. Uh, but uh, Minshew, I believe, really could play. I think this way they had the best of both worlds. If Luton excels, Luton gets the job. If Luton doesn't, they can go right back to Minshew saying it was his thumb. And, the, and maybe uh, uh, not 100% Minshew, they'd rather go with Luton. So that's interesting there. Jimmy Garoppolo's ankle, he's not back for a couple weeks still. Uh, Not ready yet. Uh, San Francisco has taken over the mantle from the Eagles as the most injured team. Andy Dalton, uh, rough time here. He had the concussion and then tested positive for COVID. Thank God he's got a bye now. That will give him time to get over, obviously, the concussion, but also the, the minimum 10 days for COVID. So Andy Dalton will be back week 11 for the Cowboys after the week 10 bye. Baker Mayfield on the COVID list for close contact, high risk. He is not positive, which means he'll get cleared, barring a surprise this week, and he will play in the game, uh, the uh, the Browns game. Sam Darnold, uh, we're recording this before Monday Night Football, is doubtful, unlikely to play. As we said, the Bear, the uh, the Jets have a. A rule, I guess, or a pattern of not allowing their quarterback to play if he doesn't fully practice. That's what they did last time. A few weeks ago, Monday, Thursday night football, he finished the game and then missed the next two weeks. Here again, last week he finished the game, but now he's going to miss this week. So it'll be Joe Flacco tonight, and I think Flacco will do better, and uh, you know tonight. But uh, Sam Darnold could play with an injection, but they're choosing not to play him. Now, the next big one that everyone's talking about, of course, is Christian McCaffrey. And let's go to the replay. Let me find Christian McCaffrey. Really have not had any word yet on Christian McCaffrey, except that he's day-to-day. But we all know what day-to-day means. Day-to-day is (laughs) a lot longer than day-to-day. Day-to-day means it may bother him week to week. Day-to-day means we don't want to tell you. But Christian McCaffrey, first of all on his ankle, did very well. 28 touches, 151 yards, two touchdowns. But on his 27th touch, you'll see here, as we go to the video, they're in a little bit of a hurry up here. And he'll catch a pass in the flat, and he'll go down, as I slow it down, onto the right shoulder, a little bit obscured. And you'll see he's hanging the arm a little bit as he goes off the field and it will come back to him. So he leaves the game at this point, misses the next about four plays where Mike Davis gets a couple of receptions. So they were feeding in the ball. He would have had 30 plus touches this game, but he missed the next couple of plays here. And uh, you'll see him reaching towards his collarbone area. There was a false report that it was rib. I don't think so. I think he is related to his collarbone right there, and again, he's moving his arm, and he'll go back and reach for it. I think he likely has a sprain at the joint at the end of his collarbone. Not the typical AC joint, but the SC joint. There, he's holding the SC joint right there. Um, SC joint is here, AC joint is here. Yes, this is a similar joint to what Tyreek Hill did last year, but that was dislocated, this is not. I believe, and he does come back for one play, the second to last play of the game before then the the field goal and what have you, uh, the the end of the game. But he is injured, I believe an SC joint sprain here. He could play this next week, but I'm starting to doubt that he will based on the tone of Matt Rule and also based on his ankle. Remember, he hurt his high ankle week two and they waited all the way to week nine till he was really 100% to play him, as evidenced by potentially feeding him the ball 30 to- plus times this game. That was their plan. And his ankle held up well. If that's the pattern for a team not vying for Lombardi this year, trying to protect their star to be 100%, that's boating that he's not going to play because he won't be 100% on the SC joint instead of taking an injection and playing. So I fully expect Christian McCaffrey to be out next week even though he could play and I'll bet he wants to play but it's a team decision. Let's run through some others here. David Johnson with a concussion. David Montgomery with a concussion. As we all know concussions are you know you just got to play it by ear and see what happens. Justin Jackson, very interesting. Uh, he. Injured his knee pregame, so we don't have any film or anything. And uh, he w- started the game, play to play, didn't get the ball, and obviously wasn't good to go and, and left. Not a lot of details on Justin Jackson. Devonta Freeman's getting closer and may be able to play next week with his ankle. Mark Ingram probably needs another week. Uh, I don't know that he's going to go this next this next week. He was doubtful, not questionable. Next week would probably be questionable, and the week after that, playing. Uh, Chris Carson, foot, uh, getting closer, not guaranteed to play yet. Carlos Hyde, probably still out with hamstring. So in Seattle, it's DJ Dallas and Travis Homer are the two right now, with Carson with a shot to play next week. The Packers get their running backs back. Aaron Jones obviously returned to play with the calf on Thursday, but also Jamal Williams will clear his close contact and be fine for this week. They might even get A.J. Dillon back. Tevin Coleman has a possibility of playing this next week. He re-injured the same knee. Matt Breida with a hamstring, we'll have to see. Miles Gaskin is still out with the MCL on injured reserve. Kenyon Drake really hasn't put in significant practice yet, so he's still out. Joe Mixon remains a mystery and is still out. Uh, Nick Chubb, what did we tell you weeks ago? Nick Chubb will return before Austin Eckler. Nick Chubb will play now that they've just had the bye. Week 10, book it, Nick Chubb is playing. Austin Eckler has not been activated to the practice 21-day practice window yet. I expect Eckler to return sometime in December. Nick Chubb will play this week, week 10. Miles Sanders, I think, is likely to play for the Eagles. Sonny Michel uh, is possible that he plays tonight, but it might be another week uh, let's move on to wide receivers. Laviska Chenault injured a hamstring, did not return as we thought. There's some optimism he'll play that next week. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it might be another week. Preston Williams danced after his touchdown. After uh, he was tackled by that left foot, but then would limp off, unknown foot injury. Michael Thomas. They really spread the ball out, but he looked okay uh, with his his ankle is fine. Uh, one more week will help him with his hamstring Adam Humphreys missed uh, last week, this week with a concussion from week 8 hopefully he'll be back this coming week Kenny Galladay with the hip uh, missed the game week 9, week 10 is at best 50-50 T.Y. Hilton I think is doubtful for this Thursday with his groin I think he's doubtful Calvin Ridley has the bye this week from his midfoot sprain and uh, coming up did not play this week with the bye, I think he'll be fine. He'll be good to go week 11. Sammy Watkins out again with the hamstring this week. Debo Samuels was, Samuel was out this week with the hamstring, has a chance to come back. Uh, Brandon Ayuk and Kendrick Bourne were back after false positive tests put him on the COVID list for the game this last week. Alshon Jeffrey, I think, finally has a chance to debut after his list frank and then calf injury. The Eagles, believe it or not, are getting healthier. It's about time. Uh, Jameson Crowder tonight I think is unlikely to do a lot with his groin for Monday Night Football. At tight ends, Noah Fant uh, re-injured the right ankle with a mild high ankle sprain, tufted it out. I'll bet he'll be limited at best in practice this week. Uh, uh, Albert O. Should I even try and say his name? Yes. Uh, Albert Okubanum. It's like tag yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like what? <laughs> kind of, uh, you just gotta try. <laughs> Okubanum. Okay, I haven't heard a lot of announcers mm-hmm. say his name. Uh, don't want me to make fun of his name. Look, my last name is Chow and C H A O, and 90% of people can't spell it. So who am I to to say anything? Uh, look, I, if you look closely, if you ever came to my office, some of these signed jerseys that athletes give me. You look closely. There's like. Uh, marker correction, because they spelt it wrong, and they went, oops, and then they corrected. So I'm not trying to make make fun of Albert. Especially when our fears came true, he's now confirmed to have an ACL tear. That's what we feared in-game, and that's what we posted. So his season is done. Jack Doyle has a concussion with the short week Thursday. He will be out. You don't get a concussion on Sunday and get cleared by Thursday. He will be out this week, Jack Doyle. George Kittle's season is not done, but there's no news on his foot for that cuboid fracture. Zach ankle is still a few weeks away. Lots of offensive linemen. Brian Balaga left again after missing games with the back. Active this week and went out very early. Ali Marpet with a concussion. Cody Ford with an ankle. Roger Saffold with his shoulder went out. Mike Iopati with the back. Mitch Mitch Morris concussion for Buffalo. Mitchell Schwartz has a lingering back issue. He's been out for a few weeks now. And let me tell you, that likely has something to do with, they've got three out of the five starters on the offensive line for Kansas City out. That likely has something to do with Kansas City's kind of, for them, lackluster performance. Right? They're still winning games. They're still doing, for the most part, uh, they won again last this week. But they're not the dominant self. And I think Mitchell Schwartz and company has something to do with it. The Bears' O-line uh, uh, still with their issues. Russell Okung with the calf. Uh, COVID guys eligible to return this week for the Giants. Will Hernandez, Graham Glass now. Trent Brown on COVID, out for at least a month. This is his second stint on COVID. This has to make me think there's something more to this. Look, COVID affects people differently. Why would he be out again and at least for a month as reported? Maybe he's got the inflammation of the heart issue. That's something that will take you out for a month or more. Uh, Usually not dangerous, but I don't know what his status is, but it's been reported he's on COVID, COVID list for the second time and out for at least a month. Don't be surprised if that's the season. Colton Miller with an ankle issue. Lane Johnson with the continuous knee ankle, but he keeps soldiering through. Some defensive injuries, a linebacker for the Texans. The Texans are getting pretty banged up this week too. They get a lot of injuries. Brennan Scarlett with a forearm fracture. I think he'll have surgery and return in a couple weeks, two to four weeks. Taco Charlton, a high ankle sprain variant with a fracture as well. Calais Campbell with a calf, very hard to push off likely to miss a few weeks. Tradavius White I think had a mild eversion ankle sprain and continued and I don't think we'll miss time. Akuta with his ankle, we'll have to look at the film. Jadavian Clowney is headed for a meniscus re- uh, surgery at some point, the question is when. And, uh, uh Shaquille Griffin with a concussion and hamstring issue. Matt Milano still with the pack. Josh Norman still with the hamstring. Uh, Pair of cornerbacks for the Broncos still. Boye with concussion and Bryce Callahan with the ankle. Alana, DNs, McKinley, and Fowler. Tack McKinley, Dante Fowler missed. We'll see how much more that they miss. Uh... Joey Bosa missed this week with a concussion and Quinnen Williams is scheduled to miss Monday Night Football tonight with his hamstring. He's listed as doubtful. So there's a rundown there but let's go to our ever popular beast of the week this week. It's a special one and uh, we don't always want to gross people out with oh look at this bone sticking out and whatever. This one is an honest beast of the week in tribute. Uh, with a little humor injected. But I'm gonna re- award it to my friend, Philip Rivers, Beast of the Week. And most of you are saying, are you kidding me? Uh, so here's the video. Uh, Phillip Rivers back to pass and uh, actually hands the ball off to Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor fumbles the ball and here comes the run back. Here comes our Beast of the Week, Phillip Rivers trying to make a ta- tackle. Turf monster! He still tries to make a tackle but to no avail and unfortunately looks pretty darn silly. Why are we making him the beast of the week? A couple of reasons. Number one, he has 224 consecutive starts. I've always said he's not the most fleet of foot and athletic guy, yet he's been able to play through injury not necessarily avoid injury. He's had his share of injuries, including tearing an ACL, knee stuff, many ribs, rib injections, other things, a foot issue, but he's always played through. So this is a maybe lifetime achievement beast of the week for his 224 league long streak. But look at this as he falls down. The other reason I'll make him the beast of the week here is when he does go down, he doesn't stay down. He tries to roll over on his back. Even as a turtle, he's trying to make the tackle. He tries to make the tackle um, and doesn't make it, but at least there's effort there. Uh, Little kid on his back trying to grab up. But I will say this as we see it one final time here. I got a tongue in cheek question for you. Why is this not taunting? You can't stand over a player who's down on the ground. Phillip Rivers is down on the ground the player changes direction to go hop over him to make it a play. So I'm joking about the taunting call, uh, 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 you know, but Clark literally, I think, almost changes directions to go jump over the top of my guy, Phillip Rivers. Uh, Bottom line is he's a beast, beast of the week because of his 224 uh, consecutive starts with that athleticism, yet he still makes it happen and he has the effort and uh yeah um there you are beast of the week this week is philip rivers